Hey, 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 what up, gang? It's Q&A Day with your girl, Dr. Dawn, where I answer juicy questions from our listeners. Let's jump in. What up, gang? We are back for another Q&A sesh with your homegirl, Dr. Dawn. Missed you last week. Um, we got a session out, but we did not do a Q&A sesh. That's because we had the soft open for the trauma center. Whoop, whoop. Which, thank God, it was a blessing. It went well. I appreciate <clears throat> all of the prayers and words of encouragement through social media, emails, texts, all of that. I appreciate you guys. And once again, I appreciate these questions. They are phenomenal. They are um, inspiring to me. And I love taking time to just look them over and think on them and come up with some really good answers. So this question this week, this one might take us a little longer. It may only be one question because it is pretty intense. You guys are asking the question is, dunk dong. <laughs> Can you talk about the effects of chronic stress on the brain and the body? Can we talk about the effects of chronic stress on the brain and the body? So that's a really good question. Um, so I don't really know where to start. So I'm just going to jump in on that one. <laughs> Bear with me. So let's, let's talk a little bit about stress, you know, because I think, um, at least I know for myself, when I would think about stress, I thought about it always being a bad thing. <clears throat> Things that are bad or negative events that happen in our life. And this was early on prior to me really digging into the field of psychology. So I might've been in grad school getting my doctorate degree when I thought about stress. Uh, but when I started working um, for a uh, foster care program, the director of the foster care of a foster care program some time ago, one of the things that I started to notice was that my um, staff was really um, facing high burnout rate, high burnout rate. So I started to kind of look into personally for, for myself, but also for the program that I was running. I wanted to kind of understand, you know, what was going on with burnout in the human services field. So this, you think of, when you think about this time, this had to be about maybe 15 years ago, 15 years ago, right? Might've been 20, but I'm gonna go with 15 years ago somewhere between 15 and 20 years ago. And so I started looking into burnout for human services and, uh, and social services and um, therapists because I my staff was burning out. Um, I had inherited a program. The program had grown tremendously, but it grew too fast and the staff weren't quite prepared for some of the mental health challenges that came along with uh, being a foster parent and how to support foster parents in those roles. So I mean, they were taking FMLA and it was burning up our finances. And so I said, okay, let me see what, what's going on. And so what I started to do was kind of do trainings on self-care <clears throat> and stress the importance of how you must take care of yourself in order to be effective for the, um, for the family, the client, whoever we're serving. And so in the midst of my work, I came across a lot of information at that time dealing with stress. So let's talk a little bit about stress. So there is a thing called you stress, and then you have acute stress. And then you have chronic stress. So we're going to look at those first three first before we jump into the impacts of it on the brain. So you stress is good stress. It's that good stress. <laughs> you know how we say we got that good money or that good gas or we got that good whatever. You stress is that good stress. It keeps us excited. It keeps us alive and vital. Um, and it helps us to perform, right? It helps us to get things done. So you stress is kind of like a thing that happens when we're about to buy a house or when we are about to graduate um, from college or something like that, or when we're just about to celebrate, right? Um, that's that's you stress. It's that good type of stress. It's a positive response that we have to a stressor. 
And it really is dependent upon um, our feeling of control, desirability, and also timing. Okay. So eustress is not defined by the stressor, but instead is how we perceive the stressor. So remember, I always talk about things being relative. And when I talk about that, I mean that what may be, you know, is relative in terms of it's personal. So what might be stressful to one person might not be stressful to another, right? Just like I say, what might be traumatic to one person might not be traumatic to, a, to another, right? So that's the case with eustress. It really is a positive. It really is dependent upon one's feeling of control and desirability. <clears throat> and it's not defined by the stressor, but instead how one perceives the stressor. Okay. So some might see it as a negative threat. Somebody else might see it as a positive challenge. Okay. You stress can be uncomfortable at times, but you stress tends to lead to positive personal growth. Okay. Now, uh, you stress also happens when there's a gap between what one has and what one want is slightly, slightly pushed. So it occurs when the gap between what one has and what one wants is slightly pushed. It's pushed a little bit, but it's not overwhelming. Okay. So you stress tends to be short term. Again, it can improve our performance and it can, um, it, we looked at it as something that we can handle and it's within our coping mechanisms. Okay. So you stress, if we think about it on a pendulum, you stress would be the balance, okay? That would be the balance between no stress at all and then distress. Now, I know that we, I, even I teach this to my clients that we want to decrease stress or not be stressed out, but no stress is not necessarily a good thing. You know, oftentimes no stress can be um, no excitement because there's no stimuli. So without stress, some type of stress, we can be lethargic, dull, and unenthusiastic, right? And I know that we tend to push that in, in terms of relaxation and things like that. But if you, th you think about it, I guess what we and other, what I and other um, therapists might be really saying is that we want you to not be distressed or overly stressed, right? So we really want you to kind of be in the eustress places where it's kind of energetic, I'm successful, I'm positive, I have challenges, but I feel like my challenges are within my coping mechanisms, Okay. <clears throat> and I apologize for the constant clearing of my voice, but this is sinus season and Dr. Dawn has sinus and allergies. So I'll be struggling right now. So forgive me. Okay. All right. So that's you stress. So then that's the good stuff. And that's the balance. And remember no stress. That means we're, we're just boring, dull, unenthusiastic, lethargic, and we have no stimuli, no excitement. And we got to be careful with that because when we, when we have no stress, our brain is not being um, activated. So we want to kind of push towards the you stress level. Okay. Now distress, right. And that's when we're going to start to talk a little bit more about distress and the forms of distress, like acute stress and chronic stress. Right. So distress generally feels unpleasant. Okay. Um, it often depletes our energy and this can be short term or long term. Right. And when it becomes long term, that's when we start to see it as chronic stress. Um, it decreases our overall performance. Um, and it seems to be distress is outside of our coping mechanism, meaning that we, meaning that we do not have enough coping skills to manage this particular situation. Remember it is relative though. And distress can lead to physical illness, mental fatigue, and emotional depletion. Okay. So remember, 
You got distress, which is no stress at all. You got eustress, that's that good stress. And then we work into distress, right? And distress is when uh, we're just, we're, we're outside of our means of coping, okay? Now, a distress can turn into acute stress, right? And any acute distress and acute stress are all negative types of stress. So there is such thing as good stress, like we talked about eustress. So acute stress comes and goes, uh, often can come and go relatively quickly. So you, uh, acute stress is a form of distress, but it comes and go quickly. So like fight or flight is a response to immediate perceived threat, right? So this threat could be real or imagined. Some examples can include uh, having almost having a car accident. Like, you know, when you're driving fast, somebody might be texting, which we shouldn't be doing, right? <laughs> but we may be texting. And um, <clears throat> and then we look up and we, we slam our brakes and uh, right in that moment, we almost had an accident. Or you could just be driving and somebody dart in front of you and you have that, you almost have an accident, right? Um, that's, that's, that's acute stress. So in that moment, it's that fight or flight. We, we, we respond in that moment, often slamming on our brakes and our heart rate goes up, spikes really quickly, right? But then it kind of goes away. Once we calm down, take some deep breaths, thank God we didn't have the accident, right? Um, another example could be pressure to meet a deadline. Now, both... Um, uh, acute stress and eustress generally does not cause widespread health problems, right? So acute stress is a form of distress. It's a form of distress, okay? So acute stress generally does not cause widespread health problems, all right? So before we move into chronic stress, you know, we want to have more eustress in our lives. We want to shoot for more eustress. So like some examples of um, eustress that we need more of would be getting to know someone, like a new person in our lives, uh, studying for a new quali- qualification over a period of time where we're kind of being challenged, you know, it's exciting, but it is a little stressful, but we can manage it. Learning and adapting to new routines and cultures when traveling, that's an example. Networking and connecting with others to grow ourselves and our businesses, you know, meeting a lot of people at once and showing ourselves and what we do to the larger world, that's a form of stress. Performing at our best when we play competitive sports or a fitness activity, um, again, eustress helps us actually to perform better in the moment and also to improve ourselves by staying committed to our exercise routine, even when we may not feel like it, right? So eustress is good stuff, right? Other forms of that uh, that we need more of is like preparing for and working towards big goals or events, developing new skills. It's always good to develop new skills, especially as we get older, because our brains get a little stagnant if we don't keep them working. And we'll, again, we'll talk more about the brain, but our brains are really uh, muscles. And if we, we exercise them, we get the maximum benefit out of the brain, right? Even up until older age, right? Um, getting over a rejection, whether it's a job, relationship, or other, some other opportunity, that's a good example of eustress. Um, eustress can sustain us and help us learn, grow as individuals, and find the silver lining in each situation. And staying the course, right? Like, personal development. That's a very good form of eustress, things that we need more in our lives. Even when it gets tough, we want to, you know, grow and um, stay the course. This is especially relevant for coaching and therapy. Um, Eustress that will help our clients keep working on themselves and turning up for coaching sessions and therapy sessions, even when the going gets tough, right? So that is a good example of eustress. So these, those are things we want more of. Now, acute stress is that, like I said, those, um, that a quick, quick fight or flight is not a good type of stress. It's a negative type of stress, but it doesn't generally lead to health problems simply because um, it comes and goes relatively quick, 
quickly. Okay. So that's this. So we talked about eustress, distress, and now we're talking about the forms of distress, acute stress, and now we're going to move into chronic stress. Okay. Now chronic stress is when that, when we start to have, uh, we stay in the fight or flight mode, uh, frequently. So, it's, so we stay in that space. We don't really calm down. You see this a lot with, with trauma, even after traumatic, well, with those who survive trauma, even after the trauma has passed, you'll often see, um, the, they're still in that stressful, overwhelming trauma, traumatic state. Okay. But chronic stress, chronic stress happens frequently and it lasts for long periods of time. And it's a stress response that is triggered over and over again. Like I said, that fight and flight response that's triggered over and over and over again. So what happens with that is our bodies do not return to the pre-stressed state. Okay. Our bodies do not return to the pre-stressed state. So we don't have a chance to recuperate or rejuvenate, right? Or replenish. So that's not good. Okay. So some examples um, of... Uh, chronic stress includes poverty, abuse, dysfunctional families, difficult jobs, those jobs that uh, we're working more, working a lot of overtime and it's like constant overtime for months and months at a time. We're not talking a little bit here, a little bit there, but over and over again. And remember, chronic stress is stress that is overwhelming to us. So it is going to be relative. Okay. Now the effects of chronic stress overall, right, is it's damaging on our health is definitely damaging on our health. And there's definitely a link between chronic stress and metabolic syndrome. Chronic stress is linked to heart disease, stroke, and type 2 diabetes. It lowers our immune system. It causes us to have increased incidence of common cold. And then we start to see the chronic inflammation. And that chronic inflammation is thought to be the root cause of cancer. Right. So chronic stress, and, and you'll see this like, especially now. So, so when I started doing this research back about 15, between 15, 20 years ago, there was coincidences. I think we as, um, therapists might've saw with our clients, but there wasn't a whole lot of medical research to, um, to support that. But now we have research that really can, uh, support this in terms of like, um, medical diagnoses as it pertains to chronic stress. So you'll hear a lot of people that's recovering from cancer be told by their doctors that it is very important for them to rest and not to be stressed, to decrease their stress because it's hard to recover from cancer if you don't decrease your stress. In fact, if you don't decrease the stress, um, and you continue to have chronic stress that increases the chances of the cancer returning. So, you know, my sister, my, um, all of my sisters at some point had, um, some type of cancer, but my eldest sister, she passed away from cancer. Her diet was impeccable. She had one point, one, at one point she was a vegetarian, worked out, ran. She was a model bodybuilder, did some work in LA, um, with the Isley brothers, Stevie Wonder. She was just the bomb.com. She was in my wedding and they asked who was the oldest and she is my sister's 23 years older than me because that's how good she took care of herself. But when she got cancer, she did not decrease her chronic stress. And the doctors told her she, she beat cancer the first time, but the second time the doctors, when they released her, they said, you have to decrease your chronic stress. And she was dealing with a lot of stress, a lot of personal stress within her life. And she would not, she did not decrease it. Um, and she ended up getting cancer again. And that time, the second time she got it, she did not want to take, um, 
chemo and she ended up passing. And I think I use my sister as a prime example of how chronic stress can tear your body down. Now she, and she did a lot to mitigate her, her stress. She worked out, she ate well, but in her personal life, there was some pieces of chronic stress that she did not buffer and it caused the cancer to come back. Okay. So, uh, and it's believed to have caused the cancer to come back according to the doctors. Again, you know, uh, I'm just, you know, I can only go with what the doctor said. And I know about the personal stress in her life. So that's the effects of chronic stress on the body. So let's look a little closer to what it may look like on the brain. So yes, chronic stress does damage the brain. It increases cortisol levels, right? Chronic stress increases cortisol levels and too much cortisol damages cells in the brain. And what will happen is our memory and our learning starts to be depleted um, you'll start to notice that you don't recall things as well as you used to. Um, it's hard to recall simple things, you know, and some of that you're going to see with age anyway, but you layer, uh, chronic stress on top of that. It can be premature memory loss, premature learning pieces that you should not be able, you should still have. Um, so it really does, um, cause, um, the brain to shrink as well, as well. So, you will see some delays in some areas that you used to be really um, competent in when you are when you're under chronic stress. Some other parts of the body that's affected is sperm count in men. Again, it's the inflammation throughout the body. It also affects digestion by ta- uh, kind of uh, turning or well, getting your your gut bacteria out of whack. You know that you know our stomach and how we digest food and our bowels get out of whack due to chronic stress. Of course, we know blood pressure goes up, right? And then we get this increasing craving for sweets because it sends us, the sweets make us feel euphoric in the moment, right? And chronic stress can deplete us so much that we, we kind of look for more sweets, more caffeine and things of that nature. And so what it also does, it affects our the frontal lobe of our brain that's responsible for judgment, problem solving, solving and executive functioning. So because of that, it can impair our judgment, right? And again, we'll begin to make unhealthy life choices. We, we can't problem solve effectively. Uh, we're unable to think through things. Our minds can be racing. And also, like I said, with the increasing sh- uh, cravings, we'll start to uh, want to replace or replenish with alcohol, sugar retreats, drugs, cigarettes, and then, and of course, ju- uh, harmful relationships as well. Chronic stress can cause us to be irritable, jumpy, angry, and dissatisfied. And what happens is chronic stress eventually leads to burn out. So if it's not buffered, if it's not mitigated, chronic stress can lead to burnout. So a little bit more on the brain. So I love the brain, but I don't want to geek out on y'all, be all nerdy and get all technical. So I'm going to give you what I got. I'm going to try to without, you know, going on and on because I do love the brain. So when you think about uh, chronic stress. Chronic stress is also known to enlarge the amygdala. So the amygdala is, uh, primarily known for, uh, it kind of drives the fight or flight response. Um, and also is associated with our emotional behavior. So when it's enlarged, it can increase our emotional response to situations, um, and take, it take, and take longer for us to calm down. Okay. And so with chronic stress, increasing the amygdala, it can just put us in a constant fight or flight state and take longer for us to actually perceive that it's safe to calm down. 
Also, uh, when chronic stress can cause a disruption in synapse regulation, synapse regulation. So that means pretty much that that disruption can lead to a loss of sociability and also the avoidance of interactions with other people. So you no longer want to be social and we no longer want to interact with others. So um, basically, chronic stress really wears down our the brain's ability to function properly, period. In multiple ways, in multiple ways. Okay, so we talked about the effects of chronic stress on the brain and the body. So you know I gotta leave you with some tips on how to manage um, the chronic stress in our lives uh, and any type of stress because again, you stress can turn into distress, into acute stress, and then the chronic stress, and then chronic stress can lead to burnout. <clears throat> so how can we buffer this? How can we mitigate chronic stress? So the research is really con- really um, conclusive on uh, a couple of things that work. One of which is mindfulness. Mindfulness is really effective uh, for buffering chronic stress and helping our brains to deflame. I don't know if that's really a word, but I use it all the time. (laughs) Dynamic mindfulness is even better when you combine mindfulness with yoga movement as well. And mindfulness and meditation has been found to be very effective with kind of calming down um, our brains, calming down that emotional response and helping our bodies to recover and replenish from chronic stress, including the brain. It's also good on, it's, it's been found to impact the amygdala, amygdala as well, because uh, the amygdala is associated with a lot of emotions like fear and things like that, and being kind of ruminating over the past, that type of thing. Relaxation techniques, which to me falls right with the mindfulness piece because mindfulness can be so relaxing. But relaxation techniques such as deep breathing, uh, diaphragmic, diaphragm, I never can say that word. Breathing from your diaphragm, (laughs) belly breathing, right? Um, Relaxation techniques is really, really good in terms of helping us replenish and restore and rejuvenate and decrease um, our emotional responses to non-dangerous stimuli, as well as just get our brains back online, get our prefrontal cortex back in line. Then that's, again, that's the area of our brain that's responsible for judgment, decision-making, and those types of things. Another um, thing that we have found to be effective is labeling our emotions labeling what we're feeling and allowing ourselves to actually feel it. So there's two types of emotion. You'll see this in cognitive behavior therapy, in particular, cognitive processing therapy. You have basic emotion and then you have manufactured emotion. So basic emotion are those emotions that we feel in the moment. So like if someone says, boo, we're scared. If we almost had a heart attack, we have some anxiety, which is completely normal, right? And what we found with basic emotion is if we allow ourselves to feel it, if we label it and feel it, eventually basic emotion will fizzle away. However, manufactured emotions are those emotions that we have in response to what we say to ourselves after an incident occurs, right? So let's say we're driving down the street, a cat, dog, something darts in front of us and we we slam our brakes on. So we right in that moment, we were scared, right? That's a basic emotion. Now, if we drive off and we're like, oh my God, I'm gonna die. Oh my God, this is unsafe, I can't drive. And then we start to have emotions based off of what we're saying to ourselves, like ang- severe anxiety, panic attacks, um, isolation, um, depression, then that would be manufactured emotion because those are the emotions that we are now feeling as a result of what we said to ourselves. So what we found to help with um, chronic stress is that if you have basic emotion, label that basic emotion and then let it fizzle out. If you find yourself 
uh, having manufactured emotion, which is that emotion that is a result of what we say to ourselves, label it again, but then you have to change what you say to yourself. You have to actually counter what you say with, to yourself with more accurate and rational facts. And sometimes that's harder uh, than it sounds and we may need some assistance uh, with a licensed therapist or something to that effect, a uh, licensed a professional or, uh, or a life coach or something of that sort to help us kind of identify those thoughts because our in our own heads, those thoughts may seem very rational until we speak them out loud to a professional and they're like, mm, let me help you with that one. Okay. So this is just one question, but it was an awesome question and we are way out of time. So I'm going to go ahead and close this one out. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you again for the question. And guys, uh, look forward to being able to donate to the cause. We are actually taking donations for the podcast and I'm going to give you information in the upcoming episodes. And those donations are going to a, a ministry, a homeless ministry that we actually have started called Die and Friends Eats. I'm sorry, Die and Friends Helping Hands. Die and Friends Helping Hands. That is, we went through some name changes. <laughs> but Die and Friends Helping Hands is named after my husband's um, aunt Diane and my mother Fran, who were very, very committed to feeding people, feeding the community um, and doing things of that nature. And we wanted to continue their legacies. And so we, we have some people in our community that could really benefit from food, from um, clothing and packages. And so um, we're going to start to... Uh, you know, provide an avenue for you to donate if you so wish. Never a requirement, guys, never a requirement. All right, I'm out of here. Holla at you. All right, y'all. Our audience has spoken. You had questions and we had answers. Please subscribe, rate, and review us on all of your podcast listening platforms. And please, please, please follow me on Instagram and Clubhouse at Dr. Dawn on the Real and on Facebook at The Same Game. All right, now, until next time, y'all, stay sane.